<laughs> it's worked. We're okay. live. I'm amazed. I'm always amazed when this works, by the way. Like I will never stop marveling at technology that I can go live with Bobby Brown <laughs> from New Jersey, Montclair, right? No, I'm actually in uh, Sag Harbor right now. You're in Sag Harbor from Long Island. Yeah. All right, you're a little further away than we normally yeah. are. I'm still in New yeah. Jersey. I'm yeah. representing the state while you're out in uh, Long Island. Yes. So, so anyway, so excited to have for for those of you. I mean, it's impossible that you don't know the name Bobby Brown, but there are a lot of things that you probably don't know about Bobby Brown. I have become friends with her over the last you know few years, and she's. You ever have somebody in your life? who makes you feel like you're just not doing enough. Like Bobby Brown is the person that when I aspire to be a, you know, quote unquote, good person, I think about Bobby Brown because oh. yeah, there are so many things that you do below the radar and I won't embarrass you, but you are one of the kindest, most decent fundamental humans. And I know it because there's stuff that you do that you don't have to do and you're doing just to be a really good person. So I just want you to know that I generally feel inferior of being oh, around <laughs> Fire to be you. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to have you. And so just to talk about the audience, there's a lot of people out there who are business owners, entrepreneurs, work at companies. We're all doing the same exact thing at this very moment, which is trying to figure out what the hell is going on and what's going to happen next. And I know that not only are you an incredible entrepreneur, but you're incredibly a deep thinker spiritually and then also about taking care of your body and your soul. So I want to cover a whole wide range of topics today with you. Yeah. But just for maybe the small fraction of the universe who may not know everything about Bobby Brown, can you just give us a little bit of a snapshot from the from the 1980s when you uh, launched your company? Sure, I was uh, I graduated college from Emerson uh, with a degree in theatrical makeup um, and a minor in photography. Moved to New York and started working in the fashion industry as a makeup artist. And my style of makeup was not what the style of makeup at the time was, and Somehow I became known for this natural look, the nude look, and I had an idea for a lipstick, met a chemist, made 10 lipsticks, went into Bergdorf Goodman after selling out of my house for a year, and somehow four and a half years later sold uh, my company. My husband and I sold the company to Estee Lauder where I stayed 22 years as an employee, and I left three and a half years ago. People still don't know, which I can't believe. I, I just want to ask you this question. It's a remarkable story, which you nest now you know, truncated. But yeah, going back 22 years, was was, was that the right decision, the, a good decision, a bad decision? Do you ever regret that or you know, wanted to hold on to it? Because a lot of entrepreneurs face the same choice that you faced. No, I don't regret the decision. It was a great decision. And they were a great partner in the beginning. And they really helped me grow the company. And honestly, they allowed me to do what I really loved most, which was create and inspire. And I got to be the chief creative officer and come up with new ideas and just make things up. And I'm a very practical. I'm not one of these like creators that it's like, no, I just want to do this because I want to do it. You know, I like to listen to what's happening in the world and then just do it my way. What is your what is your advice to sort of a, an entrepreneur founder who's got a great idea they take it in a certain way? How do you make that decision to sort of sell or earn out, you know, or hold on yourself? Like, is there a litmus test that you would kind of go through to make that choice? You know, there's a, there's a lot of different factors, and you know, for me, one of the factors was that I did not want to be solely focused on this business. I had a young family at the time, and. Two, I think I had two kids when we sold the company. I, I wanted the business to grow and I did not have the experience. So for me, selling it was the best thing. I have no regrets. Hmm. Maybe I stayed too long, but you know, the tough times is really what makes us tougher. And uh, you know, I don't regret that for a minute, but 
I'm most excited about the new world because when I left Bobby Brown Cosmetics, I mean, the digital explosion in beauty and wellness was just starting. So when I left, I was able to promote my ninth book, Beauty from the Inside Out. And by the way, those that know me, I don't know how to type. And I don't know how I've written nine books, but I, I have. We're typing for you, by the way. I type 90 words a minute, but little known fact. So wow, that's I amazing. Anyone there do a typing test. I might even be approaching 100. Oh my gosh. No, I have services to you remotely if you want. Uh, it's, it's not one of my skills. Actually, I'm writing a graduation speech for something and I've written it out by paper. I've taken screenshots of it, sent it to my assistant tomorrow who's typing up. Then I'll edit it again. And uh, it's just the way I do things. Right. So yeah. nine books. Yeah. So nine books. So I pr started promoting beauty from the inside out, which is something I've always believed in. Even as a makeup artist, I always taught people that what you put in your body is the most important thing. And also I went back to school and I got a degree as a health coach. So it was all kind of coming together. And then I had saw an opportunity. I didn't know what I was gonna do. And I happened to meet some guy and you know me, what do you do? And he said, I, I'm a vitamin manufacturer. And we partnered and we have a line called Evolution 18. We are a small brand. Um, and I mean small, we have four people on our Zoom calls in the morning. And, you know, this new world is quite interesting. So so walk, so that's fascinating. I, one, one of the things I love about you, and I realized one of the first few times we met, when you approach a subject matter that you don't know about, you have no qualms with saying, I don't know what I'm doing in this area. And I, I remember early on we met, you're like, podcasts, I don't know. I want to kind of, I know I care about wellness. I'm trying to figure it out. Has that sort of been your life philosophy from the beginning? Well, I, you know, I'm someone that was not uh, a good student, never did well in, in school, and I never thought I was particularly smart growing up. I realized as an adult, I'm quite smart because I learn differently, and I just, I'm just different. My brain works different than, than other people, certainly than my husband's brain, which is a whole nother podcast. You yeah, know. Husband's, we could do a podcast on your husband's brain. <laughs> his brain. His brain is so big that I don't even know what to do with it. But anyways... We have been married happily 31 years. So, you know, as I said, that's another podcast. But the way I look at something, I love doing things that I have no idea what to do. When, when it, you know, when Marissa Meyer called me once and asked me if I wanted to do a digital beauty magazine for Yahoo, I was like, okay. And I did it because I didn't know what I was doing. When Gary V said, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, okay. And I'm doing that today. And it's kind of, it's invigorating. So wait, so so back to evolution eighteen. So you you partner up on the vitamins, right? You right. assemble a team. So where take us through a little bit of that journey? All right. Well, the first you know the first thing we did. Well, first of all, I needed to get permission from Estee Lauder because there is a contract, and I got it. And I opened. You know, we started selling on QVC. It was not uh, something I really enjoyed, so we exited that. And in the meantime, and then we opened a direct-to-consumer site, evolution18.com, and I actually have a discount, you know, code for everybody. Um, free yeah. anyway, so feel free to say that. Everyone loves a discount. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> actually, I had to write it down. It's EV18Live. So EV18Live, EV18 20% right. off. Okay. We'll put that on the post, too, after we okay, finish. Okay, good. All right. um, and then, so we opened direct-to-consumer, and then we got a call from Walmart, and they said, what would you do for us? And I said, okay. So I put my thinking cap on, and we designed a great assortment of simpler, lower-cost items for Walmart. And what was amazing for me, being in Walmart, is the platform is so huge. 
And so I, I looked at it more as a way to help empower people to learn to take better care of themselves. I did a, you know, my, a launch personal appearance in Walmart, and I'll never forget sitting there remembering my launch personal appearance in uh, Bergdorf Goodman and the differences and how things have changed. And we gave away my book. We didn't try to sell it. We gave it away. And I just talked to people about taking care of themselves. And today, I cannot tell you how important this is for people to learn to have a healthier body that helps your healthy mind. And you've got to, you've got to just take care of yourself. Hmm. Tell so me I'm very passionate about that stuff. Well, I want to talk about that too. Well, let's stay on that while we're talking. Because I remember we had dinner, you know, a few months ago, and I know you're a highly choreographed, curated diet, you know, which I'm aspiring to. I really yeah. am. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've tried to hack this, you know, crisis in quarantine. I'm eating only the same things every single meal, which I know you'd probably say is a terrible thing to do, but at least it ensures that I stay on track, you know, but, uh, what is the perfect you know diet from inside out? Well, everyone's different, number one. So everyone is completely different. And I am one that has I've tried keto and paleo and I mean literally name it the you know the vegetable only diet. I've done it all. What works for me most is having things in moderation, eating not eating food that grows in the ground primarily, fruits and vegetables, clean proteins, healthy fat. And you know what, 10%, all right, are in quarantine, 20% of my diet, you know, consists of Tito's. <laughs> what can I say? And some sourdough bread that my oldest son, Dylan, made me. And you know what, I've learned that if I'm not, if I'm not like worried about what I'm eating and feel bad about it, it processes my body better. And I could let, I could be a little bit more relaxed. My Lululemons make me think I'm still the same weight, but, um, you know, there's other things to worry about in uh, in this day and age. Things that we were worried about before that don't really matter. The psychological question. So I've always had a you know tortured relationship with food. It goes back to all sorts of child issues, mommy issues, whatever. So for me, it's you know it's been in incidents of binging, which I've always struggled with, and then getting up better now. But for me, denying myself like an indulgent, you know, you know gyro for those who don't know how to pronounce it properly, here, like it actually feels like I'm being you know oppressed. Like right. hard, and if I'm in the right state of mind, and I put it on autopilot, where I automate decision making, and I don't get a choice, it's okay. But does it does it feel like torture for you to eat that you know austere diet? Like how how do you? You know, it doesn't because I really believe that any you know the choices you make, your lifestyle choices, when they become part of your habit and not hard. Like I tried so hard to give up half and half in my morning espresso. I've tried to give up my morning espresso. I'm miserable when I don't drink coffee. I'm miserable when I don't have, you know, a cocktail at night. And you know what? What is wrong with the cap full of half and half? Just because people out there say you shouldn't have dairy. Guess what? Uh, it's fine. So I make the right choices for me. And it's been a journey, Matt, because I was someone that grew up on like the diet mentality. And so what is, you know, a short girl that always dieted her way to health and beauty do? She goes in the fashion industry and I show up and there's, you know, everywhere there's Cindy and Linda and Christy supermodels that are freaks of nature. And you know what? I, I, I can't starve myself down to being that body type. So I chose to be the healthiest version of myself. And you know what? I feel really good in my skin and I'm comfortable. And I know what I'm, it's very Pavlov's dog. I know if I'm going to eat that processed cake cookie something, I'm not going to feel good. Right. You know, but if I eat something in a healthier way, 
And you know what? I know if I'm going to eat those French fries off my friend's plate with my martini, I'm not going to feel good the next day. But guess what? Some days I choose to do it. Isn't that the key to all of it, though, is to really link the short-term decision with the long-term pain or benefit, right? That's the hardest part about food. It's they seem a little disassociated with the consequence because it's a lagging indicator, right? You don't feel it until, you know, down the road. Like, wait a minute, I just I just ate all that deep fried crap and that's why I feel bad. Yeah. But, uh, but it takes a little bit of reflection in order to be able to do that. Yes, you have to realize, you know, the thing is like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Okay, I'm not going to do it. Or that doesn't feel good, but it's worth doing. Right. So I've also learned that if I fill my body with high fiber, and that's like, I don't care, I eat GG crackers, gluten-free, they fill me up like crazy. There's other things with high fiber. So I do some prebiotic things that are very, then you know what? I'm full and I'm not starving. If I try to eat like protein and fat, it doesn't fill me up. Like I cannot just have a hand of handful of nuts and fill me up. I go for the high fiber stuff. I'm full and that's the end of yeah, it. Yeah, that's been my big hack. I've been like my 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 literally my breakfast is egg whites and turkey and you know and spinach. And then lunch is always the same sort of, you know, bowl of uh, low carb vegetables, chicken, and then dinner's a vegetable stew, you know, oh. which the fiber fills me up. But, but your breakfast, your breakfast is lacking fiber, dude. Well, hold on. I have spinach and tomato is in my no, breakfast. No, count the fiber. It's not enough to fill you up. I love those things, you know, even though they're all sugar. Those fiber, right. like those fiber gummies, I have those. Well, count, you know, count up the fiber and then you'll know. No, right. just it's worth doing it one day. Count up how much fiber. Instead of counting calories or fat, count the fiber. And just see if you're doing enough. And, you know, you'll know what fiber fills you. And the good thing about fiber, when you drink water with it, you get full. And number two, um, you wake up in the morning and, you know, it all goes out. No, we got it. I had a question for you. So you just had a birthday the other day. I'm not going to how old are you. But happy birthday. Thank you. Quarantine. You look ridiculously great. Like, I mean, we'll just leave it at that. I don't know if it's the skin or if it's the food or... I don't know, but I'm 63 years old and I say it and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm going to have to sing that Paul McCartney song, the Beatles song next year when I'm 64. <laughs> Anyways, you know what? Is that all from the inside out or are you taking some kind of cream or? No, well, I think a lot of it is from the inside out. I think a lot of it, you know, are good genes. My dad looks amazing at 85. Um, but I also think the lifestyle definitely helps. And, you know, I did put... Um, uh, apricot kernel oil on this morning because I'm so dry. Mm -hmm. I am so dry. I can't even tell you being home. And I did put a little bit of makeup on. Well, and just enough. Fantastic. I have a question yeah, for you. Enough. Going back to sort of launching, you know, evolution a bit. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs face this question. I've talked to Gary Vee about it, right? You know, you're trying to stay focused and execute well what you have on your plate, but you are a person of a lot of talents, a lot of opportunities. And you seem to be very open-minded to go in different directions. Some of them are disparate. So how do you choose to do like the George Hotel? You know, you own your own hotel and mm -hmm. then you have your own DTC beauty line and you have your own podcast. Like when is enough too much? Like how do you approach discipline and focus and, and creativity? Well, um, I cannot uh, improve on my focus. I'm not a very focused person, but I use that in my benefit. But I, I manage to get things done. I, I make sure I have people around me that are good at things I'm not. I cannot even tell you how many things Damara, my, she's my assistant temporarily because I hired a new assistant, but she couldn't start yet. But she's doing everything. I couldn't do anything without her. Couldn't do anything without Tara. I could name you know four or five other people that are doing a lot of different things. And guess what? Everyone is really nice. 
And that's really important to me. Talented, nice, and we're nimble. Like we don't spend a lot of money. We don't waste a lot of money. And we just figure it out and get it done. And if it doesn't work, we talk about it. Say, okay, that was that didn't work. Right. So I right now have, I'm really lucky. I right now in, you know, in my home have with me my two of my sons. I have a nephew, I have a son's girlfriend, and one of my sons is doing all of our digital marketing and digital ads on Evolution 18. So this afternoon he said to me, Mom, you're sitting down and we're gonna do some Facebook lives and I'm turning them into ads. I said, Okay. <laughs> Look at that. You're, 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 you're out, right? You have your own. And is there is there a standard that you're trying to meet? I mean, you've you've reached the pinnacle of success in all these different areas. Nine books is like. Is there a, a meta goal now at this point, or are you? No, no it's what I honestly. It's what I love to do. You know, I'm my husband's lucky. Besides all of his businesses, and you know, he's an incredible entrepreneur businessman. He has golf four hours a day. If he can, he'll go on a golf course. You know, I have friends that play, I don't even know what it is, Kaluki or Bridge. I don't know what they do. I don't do that. I don't golf. My hobby is creating things and working with people and being open and just experiencing new things. Like I, I just, I love meeting people. You and I met in two seconds. We like, we're in love. Yeah. You know, so we became friends and you know, you're very similar to me and I begged you to come on my podcast and now I know so much about you. I know you feel it's like hard now to talk since we know everything about mm. each other. But so, so the bottom line is you're expressing yourself, right? And uh, what yeah. advice would you have to entrepreneurs out there who are trying to figure out, like, do you think you need to go all in and quit your job in order to pursue your dream, or can you hedge, do it both at the same time? Well, you know, it depends, and everyone has different situations. First of all, you know, I'm very practical. You have to be able to pay your mortgage, pay your rent, buy food. And that's the most important thing. So if you are you know, miserable in a job and making so much money and you've saved it up, go ahead, take a chance and try it. But you know your, situ you know your situation. And I'm not someone that believes in you know, taking money to invest in different things before I'm ready. So you know, uh, uh, Bobby Brown Cosmetics, we didn't take any investments. We, we did it ourselves with uh, two partners. And Evolution 18, we don't have any investors. And, you know, people have asked. And, you know, I don't believe in spending a lot of money. So my advice to people at home is, like, there's so many crafty, interesting ways to get the word out. Don't waste money you don't have until you know you have a viable business. And I'm sure at some point, you know, and you have to scale and all these fancy words. But, but make sure that you have, like, your, you know, your feet in the ground first. Well, that's a great point because a lot of I've, I've talked to Kevin O'Leary and Robert Herkovic about this topic. This a lot of the money is obviously dried up, right? And, you know, and if people are writing checks, they're looking for egregious terms. And so, but you would say it's probably not such a bad thing, right? Like go back to basics and be well, able to bootstrap. I never, yeah, I never lost the basics. You know, by the way, like for example, so I, remember, I, I don't want to write a check, and you were like, no, eh, yeah, no. So to. you have a product, okay? The most important thing, guys, you have a product. Make sure people like it. Make sure you love it. Make sure you believe in it, okay? So you're like, all right, how do I produce it? How much does it cost? Do I have money for it? Okay, now how do I sell it? How do I tell people about it? How do I get it out there? When I started the cosmetics company, there was no way to get the information out except editorially. So I did a lot of magazines, press, and I became the beauty editor of the Today Show. I was that for 14 years. I never got paid, never got a nickel. Jeff Zucker hired me. But once a month, I'd go on and teach and, and 
never pushed my products, but that got the word out. Hmm. Now I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I've tweeted, I've Twittered, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> you get, you know, it's a community and you get the words out. And that's actually great, just to stay with that, you said something really interesting, that you did the Today Show for 14 years without getting paid, right? Hmm. I find that sometimes, especially, you know, younger generation can be a little too transactional, like, but where's my comp? Like, I assume you don't look at that as a bad decision that you spent 14 year, years on the Today Show. Can you sort of break down how that netted out in retrospect? You know, without well, getting a dollar of comp. Well, it was a gift, first of all. And it came, like, things come to me in this very weird way. I was on a book tour of my first book, and I was at Neiman Marcus doing some kind of a talk, and no one was listening to me. I'll never forget it. But at the end, I said, are there any questions? And this really sweet lady in the back of the room, she must have been, you know, four foot eight or something, red hair. She said, honey, I just love you. And I said, thank you. And she said, I'd been on the Today Show once. And she said, are you Jewish? And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, as a Jewish girl, you've done so much. Is there anything else you'd want to do? I've seen you on the Today Show. And all of a sudden I said, I'd like to be a regular on the Today Show. And she said, oh, Jeff Zucker is my grandson. No. That's uh, and Monday morning, Grandma Barbara got me on the Today Show. Hmm. Good story. So uh, uh, along the way, though, on the Today Show, yeah. and probably year you know, five, I would imagine you would have had leverage to ask for comp or whatever, you know, but you didn't. You just sort of stayed on the show and in a bigger way, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of argued a lot about, can I do something other than makeovers? Can I, you know, and they, they, I was very pigeonholed into just doing makeup. You know, sometimes I would say, can I just bring teachers on and follow them around? And can I do cooking segments? And, you know, I didn't get to do that, but I, but I did have this amazing platform and they were really good to me. And it just really helped me get the messaging out there. And, you know, not everyone cannot get on, you know, morning TV. It's not easy. But, you know, YouTube, there's so many things. There's well, so is, many. I love this topic. It's a message I give to young people all the time asking me for advice is that that effort is a leading indicator and compensation and recognition is a lagging, lagging indicator. And there's going to be a delta between those two. It's going to take time for your effort to be rewarded and recognized. But if you think big picture and you believe in your ability to both leverage and extract value from everything you do, you don't have to worry about it. Too. People worry about it way too much. Like, oh, I, I've done this and now, you know, where's my, where's my bump up or where's my title change? And sometimes I'm like, Honestly, like you should always be intentional about your life and know that you have a vision for how you're going to extract value from everything you do so that you're not dependent on the recognition necessarily, right? Like, and just, I love your Today Show look because you, you clearly had a vision about how it was going to play out. You didn't worry about the small stuff. No, I didn't. And I, I never did have the discussion. I did get a title though. I became the beauty editor of the Today Show. And here we are talking about it years later. <laughs> so, right, you know, so, so that was, you know, that was pretty cool. I have some questions. Just yeah. Go in, let's go deep, right? So uh, I have Jacqueline uh, Reinish. So what are your top five recommendations these days to launch a new product? And how has that changed from back in the day? Well, my my they haven't changed a lot, guys. That's the thing. The, the first, you know, five things off the cuff of my head is make sure you have something that is better than anything else out there. If it's not something invented, reinvented in a better way and make sure that you can produce it I have so many people that come to me and say, I have this product, let me show you the idea. I'm like, no, just show me the product. All right, so make sure you can produce it and make sure you can make a profit off of it. That's so important. Make sure you could tell people about it and make sure you could fulfill your orders. Like those are five things. Like I remember someone came to me and they said they had this dog cookie or some dog thing and they were trying to figure out 
what to do and they didn't have money to do this. I'm like, have you been to the dog park? Have you given it to all the people to see if they like it? That's your, you know, that's the first step. No, I never thought of it. And ask them to go make little videos for you. Just start like, you know, start small and, and you know, homegrown. You don't need a ton of money. And a lot of people complain about that. Right. No, that's true. That And it, the basics really don't change. The means change, right? LinkedIn and Instagram and so forth and whatnot. Have you found it uh, uncomfortable to navigate in this new in this world? I mean, where, where where's your mindset? Or do you just sort of go along with it? You know, social media, putting your life on display, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that? Or No, I think I honestly think it's it's joyful. It's fascinating. I find that I certainly am a voyeur. I love looking at other people's things. And there's nothing I like better now than watching the new local news shows to see everyone's houses. You know, sometimes you're looking and there was a, a weatherman doing something outside by his grill. I'm like, he could have cleaned the grill. I mean, it was filthy. So yeah. it's interesting. And I find that what's happening now with everyone working from home and shooting from home, you see realness in people. Mm. And you see this like authenticity that I think has been missing so much. And my, girls, my girls, they were missing for a long time. They were straightened out and now they're here. Oh, nice. Well, I've got brown eyeshadow in yeah, my the graying. The graying yeah. is kind of coming out too. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not pretty. I might cut my hair. I don't know. I might cut. That is a question for you, though. I'd love. Yeah. What do you think we're gonna? Where do you think we're gonna hold on to? Like, right? There's all range of predictions. We're gonna be changed forever. We're not gonna change at all. We're gonna learn from this. We're gonna forget everything. You know, where do you net out? I think if you, if this doesn't change you, nothing will. Hmm. And I think that yes, this is an opportunity for everyone to kind of reset what what matters, what's important. And you know, there are so many people doing so much worse than than you are. Like, you know, you have to realize our job, our job besides with our company, our job is to help people. Like that's the way I was brought up. And so, you know, it, you you have to. And it's not about giving money, it's not about doing anything except what you can do. What's comfortable for you? And just being kind to people and just being aware that people are going through different things. You know, it's being empathetic. Right. But no, actually thinking about you, right? A lot of people, I just posted about something today from, of all people, Mario Cuomo, uh, mm -hmm. talking about being confronted with the choices you've made inadvertently and how you've interacted with your kids and how over time your conversations become more and more, you know, superficial. Right. You don't have time. And it was a pretty it was an interesting, touching, reflective kind of moment. But I find that you, out of all the people I know, have the balance down pretty great. I'm curious now that you're, you know, quarantined and confined. Have you been confronted by any revelations about your life? Well, all I know is everyone in my house thinks I am annoying, <laughs> and I am annoying because I, I, I do. I, I like things in order, and I like things. I mess them up too, by the way. But I like them in order, and I like things clean because I guess that makes me feel in control. So my husband, my sons, my nephew, the girlfriend, I'm I'm annoying everyone. So I'm trying hard not to. But what that means for me is I'm just doing most of the work, you know. So um, yeah. So what have I learned from myself? Yeah, how you live? How you live your life? Where you feel like you know, got yeah. it down. You know what? I I honestly think that what what I'm going to take out of this that I do like taking it down a notch, and I like being able to stop in the afternoon having lunch with my my family, which is a very European thing. You know, I like having you know, cocktails at five, six o'clock and not, you know, coming, not running into a restaurant at eight o'clock at night. I like taking it down a notch and it's, it's, 
I haven't yet read my book or that I want to do, but I have watched some, you know, on rainy days, I've watched some great things on TV. I'm watching, we're watching now the Michael Jordan um, documentary and oh. I, it's very interesting. No, it's funny you said about Europe. Uh, my, you know, everyone has a happy place that we're going to when we get a little bit, you know, down or want to want to get out. And I find myself um, always going to Europe. I find myself going to mm -hmm. Ireland, and I find myself going to Spain for ham, and I find myself going to London mm -hmm. for coffee at the Connaught and Mayfair. And you mm -hmm. realize actually a lot of what this has opened up is a window into how Europe does live. Right. A little bit more respect for the finer things in life that bring us joy. The simple things, not the finer. Mm -hmm. things you know, that, that afternoon tea or, and then a little bit more about putting the family front and center. Right. And so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy when I travel there and I realized this last few weeks, like, Oh, this is why Yeah. You know, there are a lot of things about the way I live my life. And I know why, cause it's a system, but like three and a half hour commute every single day and like getting on a plane to go to a, taking a red eye to go to a two hour meeting in London that could have been done on zoom. Like I, as a decision maker, right. Yeah. And all decision makers, yourself included, all, we can't unsee what we just saw these last eight weeks, which right. is another way to be efficient. Mm -hmm. Don't dismiss. It doesn't mean everyone's going to work from home in perpetuity. I don't think that works either eventually, but I do think uh, things are viable options now that weren't before, including, um, including doing conferences, you know, remotely because we have a thing called YouTube now and, and being able to do a meeting uh, over zoom. Like, I don't think that changes. I, oh, I don't either. I, I, I don't think that changes either. And I hope that the bosses out there, the decision makers, if someone says, I can't make it in today because my kid has something, I hope they'll be able to say, okay, we'll do the, We'll do it over Zoom. Like right. I hope that the powers that be, especially in New York City, because I don't think people are going to be coming back as it was. No. Not, not until there's a vaccine. Right. And I think to your point, I think that's what will change this time is because prior to this incident, anybody under 40 necessarily like had already had some exposure to it and the the futility of having to kill yourself or like, you know, some FaceTime. Um, but the bosses hadn't. Right. Like and I put myself in that category, too. Definitely a bias towards can't be productive at home. We need to all be in the same place. And it, again, I'm not saying I'm walking away from that logic entirely, but it's a viable option. I, I find that when you're working from home, you're, you can play more offense than defense, right? Like the calendar is my own again. Mm -hmm. And I literally got back three hours of you know, my day now that I have just simply turned, I still get up every day at five o'clock in the morning, you know, and I still then do cardio. I don't turn my phone on. Then I start working at around seven. Right. And then I stop around, you know, eight, like, but eight I, at night? yeah, eight at night, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, but in between my little boy comes in and says, right. Dad, can I get your advice on a paper I'm doing? Like, right. you know what? That's what yeah. that is, I would give away anything to be able to have right. more of those little moments that I've had. And plus, I get to hang out with my best friend all day, Sarah. So, like, you know, I don't think again. I don't know what you where utopia and nirvana lie, but it's definitely closer to where we are now than where we were before. So, I think it's up for decision makers to be able to collectively say, "Hey, let's hold on to the parts that were productive." And let's leave behind the parts that are fear-based. Fear-based, in my opinion, is everything around we're never going to want to associate with each other again in a restaurant and a concert. That's, that's just nonsense. Like, there's a reason humans built towns and cities and villages. We want to cohabitate and we're better together. So those things, I think, dissipate when we have a vaccine and, and treatment and antibodies. But I think we, we hold on to the uh, optimizations, at least I hope. But if we keep having these conversations then it becomes like contagious, right? Not to use, I can't use that word anymore. It becomes infectious, I can't use that word anymore. It becomes a movement. 
Right. Okay. And I think it will. I have a lot of friends who are kind of, you know, they just happen to be like heads of different industries, you know, the commissioner of major league soccer and just all these like super, super smart guys. Okay. My Duke Plofker is calling me. Hello, Duke. Duke if you're out hey, there. Duke. Wait, Duke. Wait, Duke. Wait, Duke. I'm on, I'm on live on uh, LinkedIn. We can bring Duke in if he wants to. I just love you. I'll call you later. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyways, um, so so I do think that people are realizing that things are going to change, right. and hope and hopefully some not for the better and some for the better. Yeah, and how? What about um, emotional health? How are you been holding up there in the quarantine and keeping your spirits up? And does you know, I ever get a little sad. Um, you know, I seem to be doing a lot of these Instagram lives and things about helping, you know, people how to be more positive. And the times where I wake up and I'm like in a little bit of a like, uh, okay, so I'm staying in bed a little bit more reading the post or I'm doing that. I just slap myself over the face and I say, get up, you know, and get out. And I walk as soon as I walk outside, I don't care how cold it is how anything, I just feel better. I pick up the phone, I start calling my friends and I, I talk it I talk it through. And you know what? It's the connection that helps for me. So my mental state is good. And some of the times I, I feel so bad by what's happening in the world that I, I feel so guilty that I'm happy for that moment, you know, because I'm with people I love and I do have a home and I do have food and I know that. Right. But I'm just so saddened by, you know, seeing all these cars in line at food banks and, you know, worrying about all the people that don't have money, that are not entrepreneurs. And I think it's okay to be both grateful and appreciative and recognize what you have, right? Like I've, I've been at the bottom, you know, and, and I know what that looks like. And I know that having a roof on your head, family around you all day and a job, like when sometimes when in a crisis like this, it's returned to basic, you can be grateful about the basics and sympathetic and empathetic about what people are going to, you know, the, the other day, we just felt like doing something. So we drove into the city and went to Bluestone Lane and brought food down to the hospital. Like at the end of the day, is that going to change the world? No, but it felt good to do something. Right. And, you know what? and that's, but this is also my thing. It's about helping the people close to you. So we've been dropping off the evolution 18 at our local hospital and you know, the nurse for the nurses and doctors that are working all night. And we found out that they were not having food. So someone in my town organized a way that people could go on, GoFundMe, and we can support the lo the local restaurants by by giving money that will every night a different restaurant will make food for the doctors and nurses. So, and and again, it's Montclair, New Jersey. It's a small, amazing community, and we've made a difference. Like I can't go into the you know food bank of New York, New Jersey, but I've made a difference in my town. You made a difference in what you did, and that that if more people do that. Pay it forward. Where our, our world is a much better place. I, agree. I um. Why don't we end with a, uh, a question on the industry from uh, Alicia Scarborough? She asks, "How should the beauty industry respond in a post-pandemic world? Like, what what does beauty and fashion look like after this is all done?" And I don't, I don't know if you have a crystal ball. Yeah. I don't have a crystal ball, but I could only imagine that people are going to want things that are simple and authentic and. Um, are not over marketed and certainly not over packaged. And it's a lot of companies are going to have to do a lot of shifting to get to that point. And I think that a lot of the designers who are out there who have done the most beautiful, amazing, incredible clothes and the designers that have done like the funkiest, weirdest clothes, 
they've got to take a good look at themselves and say, all right, what do people want? I'm sorry, we want navy black sweaters. We want, you know, things that are comfortable. And if you could reinvent how you're doing things, I think you'll be successful. All right, last topic, important to me. You and I, we had a nice double date a few months back. All right, and uh, I'm always passionately talking about, you know, my wife, Sarah. And, you Sarah, know, yes. My force multiplier, you know. Um, and, and you have a great relationship, right? And you guys seem to genuinely enjoy each other and have fun and connect. And, and uh, I'm just curious, a lot of people, the quarantine has revealed a lot of things about our relationships, some of the things that are broken, some of the things that are working. You know, what's it been like for you two? And then what, what tips do you have for people trying to figure that out? And get it right because you obviously got it right with your marriage. So how, how well, do I get it right? Look, I'm, I'm I feel very lucky and blessed. I still love and adore my husband. We've been married 31, 32 years. I really should figure it out. I guess could be 32 this year. You know, three kids, and we've been business partners, and we both are very strong. I think he's stronger than I am. So I've learned a lot how to try to not piss him off as much as you know I could easily piss him off, but. You know, my <clears throat> when we first kind of came here, there was four or five of us, and we were all kind of fighting <clears throat> about who's going to set up in what room and who's got to be quiet when. So we kind of figured all that out. And my, I'm in the room that my husband has kind of claimed, but you know, he's uh, not around this morning. So my advice to everyone out there is just, you know, try to figure it out. Remember why you fell in love, and just try to have meaningful conversations about what's going on. Be be open, be honest, and and just try to work it out and ask the questions. What am I doing that's upsetting you? What what am I pissing you off? What could I do better? I, I know, Stephen, I know you're not listening. And if you were listening, you would tell me to get off my device and pay more attention. And I will try. I am trying. <laughs> that's great. No, I love that advice. And I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, you want to try to be with a partner who's going to unleash your potential rather than pull you back down to earth. Right. And so yeah. who knows what you're capable of and is rooting for you. But I, I completely agree. Missing conversations are so important. You have to just eliminate those missing conversations. And for you guys that don't know, Matt's wife, Sarah, besides she's beautiful and gorgeous and thin and strong and smart and capable, she adores the ground Matt Higgins walks on. And I know it's, it's both, but this woman is like a superwoman. I mean, she takes down lights and ceilings and she does construction and she's she's just incredible. You guys are so lucky to have found each other. Thank you. And we found each other on the internet, by the way. Here's a prop for internet sites. Wow. Okay. Which but, one? Which but, one? Uh, it was OkCupid. Actually, okay. I decided, you know, that we could, I could be a little more cerebral about this. this uh, and like look for somebody who matches. Well, it's interesting when you meet somebody in a bar, your chemical, your chemical signals like go off. And then we tend to confuse that chemical attraction with compatibility and longevity. Right. So right. I'm fascinated by this topic, right. That I would imagine that over time, the divorce rate from those who meet online will actually be lower mm. than those who meet in other places. might've been borne out by studies already only because it's, I think it's probably more just based upon reporting of who you are and who you want to be. You know, than that first, you know, attraction. But that's a whole other podcast. It is, I, I, I'm very curious what's going to happen with people that are dating online now. Like, I wonder, we're going to probably hear about some marriages that people met when, you know, online that they couldn't even meet. And right. They yeah, that's actually great. That'll be the legacy yeah. of this. And there'll be obviously a lot of babies. It'll be a yeah. baby boon and a book. Yeah. Boon. Probably a lot of people working on a book. So lastly, let's end on Evolution 18. What's yeah. the code? What can people buy? The code is EV18LIVE, EV18LIVE. 
and and go on the site and you can you know hear about it so we've got all of our i guess there's about a dozen different products one product we actually had to take off it which is um chill which is cbd because we kind of uh had a shift and sell on a separate site so that's our cbd gummy you're not allowed i'd love anyone that's listening that has a cbd brand i'd love to know how they're able to sell cbd with all the other products so we just had a Take it down, and we're building something new because you apparently can't sell it with the rest of your products. Really? I didn't know that. Like yeah. a Lord Jones can't be sold with like a moisturizer? No, no, no. Some. So we're just learning this. So you know, this well, is somebody new else do this and reaches out to you, right? Yeah. right. Yes, exactly. Good. All right. Well, Bobby, you're amazing. Oh, you're, you're really, I really do feel like you have the answers to the test and huh. service to the universe. You need to. Gary V assize yourself. We're going to turn that into an adjective or, <laughs> or a verb and you need to push it out there because you just have so much wisdom. So I'm so glad to spend some time with you. Oh, you too. I miss you. And we'll, we'll call on the phone one of these yeah. uh, exercise walking days. All right. Bye everybody. This Thank is you. Sarah. Bye. bye. Isn't she adorable? <laughs> <laughs>